Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished Adventurers last time on Dungeon Drunks. The mysterious and dangerous ancient topaz dragon Silver Girl Earth is believed to have possession of the Olam Harp, one of the legendary instruments of the bards. Our heroes are on the Isle of Dread in the elemental plane of water, where the dragon lives. After spending a few days on the island and promising to help the local town with communication back to the material plane, they are now working to hunt down information about this dragon in the hopes of securing the instrument through negotiation instead of force. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. And tonight, I have hot chocolate again, because within the space of about two weeks, our house got flooded with hot chocolate. I'm not complaining. It just so happened that three different people gave us boxes of really nice hot chocolate as gifts, plus the hot chocolate I have right now. I actually have in my groom's person mug. Yay! Because... I, I thought about this ahead of time. So you know those chocolate bombs that you get that are just the, the spheres and they're full of little mini marshmallows and you stick them in a cup and then you fill the cup full of hot liquid of some sort and then they just go and then you have hot chocolate and it's it's wonderful. Well, I saw a video a couple weeks ago and I was like, I want this. This this one of these must be mine. And so I had ordered two of these, one for me and one for Luke off of a, a place and they came and so this is one of those bombs. Did you take a video? Did you watch I it? Did, I have good news and bad news. The good news is it tastes lovely and it is nice and warm and it's in this delicious mug, which is delicious, which is weird because I'm not eating the mug, but I'm going to say it's delicious anyway. Also, the mini marshmallows were colored, which was nice. It was like the pink and the green. It, like those were lovely. Purple hearts. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was lucky, lucky charms. Yellow stars. Oh no! It was purple ho- purple horseshoes. Sorry, right. purple horseshoes. Green, green diamonds. There green we go. Diamonds. And yeah. the red balloon for those of us who are young enough to remember when it was introduced. Yeah. Oh, and when it was still the red dye that you can't have anymore because it made people sick. Yes. Oh, with eighties children, you gotta love us. The bad news, and the reason that I'm not saying where I got this from, is so I put the ball in the cup, and I I went with the groom's person mug for two reasons. One, I thought. I won't put it in the groom's person mug. It's this nice, big, lovely mug. Also, it's the metal on the inside, so I thought it would reflect really well when taking the video because, as you said, yes, I did take a video because I thought it would be awesome. Put the ball in the inside of the, the mug, started to pour the milk, poured the milk, and it all just sat there. And I'm like, well, this is anticlimactic. And I waited, and I kind of swirled the mug around a little bit because I'm like, well, you know, it's probably decent chocolate, and it's a thicker wall, and it's just going to take swirled it around a little bit more. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Finally... Had to go get a spoon, had to poke it with a spoon until it fell apart enough for it to kind of go. So did it bomb? No. But is it good? Yes. So uh, it's an anticlimactic video that I might at some point put up on Twitter. But as I said, the good news and uh, frankly, in my opinion, the more important news, it is good hot chocolate. And I've got a giant mug of it and it's in a lovely, delicious mug. Two things immediately spring to mind. One. That was a bomb of a bomb. It, it bombed. Totally bombed. And two, I have to know what a hot chocolate flood zone 
looks like. It's probably just a Candyland board with huge stains on it. Well, you know what? And with that, Travancore, what are you drinking? I was hoping you'd throw it to me. Good people of Faerun, Travancore's choice this evening is Kavita Sparkling probiotic drink now usually it's something that i pick but this time around i knew i needed something interesting to drink uh, so i asked my uh, my lovely partner to pick something out for me and she was kind of to oblige and this is what she came up with and i never had it before so we're doing a live tasting i'm a little nervous because it's there was no flavor it just was a probiotic oh, it's lemon drink. ginger flavor i'm sorry <laughs> oh okay. there is flavor. Like, medicine flavored no, <laughs> i'm not just taking my drugs don't worry. <laughs> Don't shake it up was a mistake in retrospect. Okay, <laughs> I learned. Do we need to throw it to someone else so you no. can do a little cleanup? No. And we'll, I'm okay. going to drink right. it come hell or high water. Here we go. I mean, hopefully neither of those, but now you have high probiotic juice. Okay. Okay. Okay, Terry. Okay, Squirrely Dan. Okay, Katie. Okay. So, it's definitely a beverage. It's liquid. It's cold because it was in my fridge. That's good. I, I don't know what to think of it. It's like, it's sort of like the seltzer. It is to, I guess, kombucha, what seltzer would be to soda. Like, it's sparkling. I guess it's like, there's there's gunk in there. There's flavoring. But it definitely tastes lighter than I expected. Um, Not to say it's bad. I'll probably just try it. And you know me. Usually, once I have something for long enough, I'll I'll grow to like it. But I'm kind of just, uh, to quote, quote a phrase from from Young Justice, I'm whelmed. I'm not underwhelmed. I'm not overwhelmed. I'm just plain whelmed. Okay. Well, hopefully hopefully it will grow on you, as you said, and not just because it's full of probiotics. <laughs> and hopefully it's nice. <laughs> uh, Bernie, what are you drinking? I have a... Um... I'm probably pronouncing this wrong. It's from Bose Brewery. I actually bought it a while ago, and it got shoved to the back of the fridge, which is very sad because it's got this kind of lovely, like, spooky vibe. You get the best can art of all of us. You do. I don't know. It's just, like, all the breweries. Well, okay, one of the breweries I drink from a lot is called Collective Arts, and they pay artists to make wonderful, wonderful art for their cans. Um, So this is the Night Marzen. Marzan. M A with the umlauts. What's the umlaut sound? Ah oh, or ah? Uh, what's what? Is umlaut a what letter? A. A. Well, that I don't know. Friends, this is <laughs> co- not not one we've covered in French class. I gotta tell you, I know what I know what sound the hat <laughs> makes. I know what sound the accent grave makes. I know what sound the accent agu makes. I don't know what sound this one makes. But it's an amber lager, and we all know how I feel about amber lagers, which is just let's find out. Steven knows how this tastes because he had his a while back, but. Mm. Mm. Yes, this is a standardly good at Amber Lager. I am happy. I am je suis content. This passes the both pretty can and tasty beverage test. Yeah, je suis content. Je suis heureuse. There we <laughs> I go. I hate the word for happy. It's so... I even said the H in there and it's wrong. It's like illies. It's hard. It's hard when you're female and French, speaking French because it adds all the extra ooses onto the end. And it's just no good. Someone's going to be like, your French accent sucks. And I'm going to be like, fuck you. But <laughs> no, seriously, if you guys like come on, to, if someone's like learning a language and you're you're the sole point of you like coming on their social media to be like, I heard you trying and I just want to let you know something bad about how they tried. You should go away forever and you probably don't have a lot of friends. Yes. Yes. Please be nice to people, especially on social media. 
I have no transition from that. Sorry. That's a, can you tell that was a particular bone I have had to pick with people who've done that to me before? Listen, as, as a fellow female on the internet and a community manager for a D&D game who also appears on streams, I don't know exactly what you're talking about. Mm. Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan. I play Jonathan the Mad Muscular. And tonight I have a Moscato. Ooh. It is a mm. barefoot Moscato. It was like a $6 Moscato. It's a I'm drinking it out of the bottle Moscato because I had a day. So that's what's happening. It's fine. Barefoot's a solid brand, though. It's I was fine. just about to say, I agree. Barefoot is a solid brand. Also, it is amusing to watch your green screen struggle to keep up with your bottle of Moscato. Ooh, it's spooky. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's an interdimensional it. Moscato. In my yep. head, all Moscato is made by um, Nicki Minaj because she has a okay. line of wines. Uh-huh. And one of her wines is Moscato, and she mentions it in a song. And so in my head, you're drinking Nicki Minaj. I'll look it up. I think it's called, like, Mix. That seems like that'd be appropriate. I don't know enough about popular music or wine in order to be able to, but I trust you. Sure. Note to self. Try Chris Jericho's champagne one of these days. He actually calls it a little bit of the bubbly. After his famous <laughs> celebration of winning the AEW World Championship, where he, everyone hated him, then he's just having a one-man champagne bath. And tonight shot a fireball to be consumed at the first casting of Fireball, or the equivalent spell thereof, is dedicated to an awesome artist, Randall Hampton. Thank you Yay! so much for Thanks, the awesome character portraits. Uh, you really captured the kind of badass that we're going for and maybe don't always actually achieve, but I feel like you brought out how we feel about our characters and put it on and put it into a, uh, a piece of art. So thank you so much. Uh, yeah, and you can find them at Randall. That's R A N D A L L underscore Hampton, H A M P T O N on Twitter and check out his stuff. He's awesome. Thank you so much. My favorite was Carlton. I don't like. I know it's supposed to be me, and I loved mine. But I, there was something really just utterly compelling about Carlton. Felt I, I think perfectly captured. Yeah, like lovable barbaric oaf. Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> like it captured the oh. oafiness of the barbarian. Yeah, he just got it. He just got it all right. Everybody looked really great. I'm- oh yeah. One of the reasons that I went for him is because he's he does a lot of caricature art in, in the D&D style. And I'm like, you know, we've always pictured these characters looking like all of you, you know, evoking bits and pieces of you. And so I thought that would be perfect. So I'd sent him the the original art that Luke had done. And then some the, our headshots that we did at RTX a couple of years ago at this point. So that he had really nice, nice pictures. And I don't know if you remember, but I asked a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, hey, if we were updating the art, you know, is there anything on here you would like oh, updated? No, kind I didn't of thing? have any that updates. Was- that's fine. You know, you didn't have to. And so that was one of the reasons I asked was to, you know, make a few of those update changes, as it were. This goes along with what Jules was saying. When Carlton came up and was wearing John's glasses. It was perfect. And I had this moment where I'm like, oh, I probably should have. Oh, no, that actually looks really good. Yeah. Well, in the original, 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 Carlton was wearing glasses. In the second version, he's not. Yeah. Maybe they broke. 
<laughs> and he was and he got yep. And that's why he was just angry all the time. You just couldn't see anything. <laughs> that make me angry all the all the time. Absolutely. And and so we will end with the the character that we've all been talking about. Carlton, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm Carlton, and I wear glasses. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Lauren, and I wear contacts. I have some unfiltered Bruce Cost ginger ale, pomegranate with hibiscus, uh, donated to me by a friend of the show, Jason. I dropped off some uh, Christmas decorations for him, and he's like, here, I have this for you. And I was like, great, thanks. So let's do a live taste. Was it one of those lovely social distance drop-offs and where one of yep. you, like, dropped things off at the stoop and then walked back to the, the car and then someone else came to the door yep, and, like, basically. made the exchange? Yeah. I yeah, know, he needed some uh, gels for his lights to, so that they were all Christmassy colored. So I was like, listen, I have those at work. I'll, I'll hook you up. And how's the drink? Oh, it's delicious. Awesome. You you do tend to have the best pomegranate stuff, so you've had to deal with horrible sodas, but you do tend to show up with awesome I mean, pomegranates. In all fairness, the horrible soda soda was literally my own doing. Yeah. No of uh, none of the horrible sodas have ever been donated by a friend of the show, whomever. It's always been, hey look, this sounded really bad, so I bought it to drink on air and I hate myself. There you go. Well, I have no transition because I, I love y'all and you don't you don't hate yourselves in game. We're just going to go back to the game. So last time we got together, you had just had a nice chat with Baka. You had finished giving out the zucchini and, and gotten some pretty amazing things for your generosity and finished up a late lunch, early dinner date on the beach with um, one of your new turtle friends having hot dogs and had decided that in an effort to be as prepared as possible for going after the instrument that you need on the assumption, and it seems like a very logical assumption that this dragon has it, that you need to find out more about the dragon. And so you had been discussing talking to people, doing some other research into this dragon, um, I would like to know, how would you like to go about that? I think that uh, Bernie and I were going to do interviews with people. I think the plan that we settled on was that we have to, the goal is to have an understanding of what this dragon is asking for whenever he's like going to ships like what is being taken versus what is on the ship and also i think we want to yeah we want to know in particular like what is standing out to people about the dragon I, and we want to we want to try and focus on the ones where he took something specific if he cleaned out the hold it's not going to tell us much he, he took everything so it's like okay well uh, what were you carrying oh you were carrying a lot of stuff all right well whatever but if like there's one ship where he's like Oh, he left all the spices, but he took all the rugs or something. Okay. So the two of you are going to just start talking to person on the street and trying to get some information? Yeah. It sounds like. And then kind of hip hop, um, jump and hop from people from there. How about Travancore and Carlton? What are the two of you up to? Would you like to join them in this or are you on your own path? I'll come with uh, Bernie and Jonathan. Okay. Yeah, Carlton, uh, now that the uh, zucchini stand has served its purpose, no longer needs to man it, so he will tag along with the group. Pop-up zucchini event. Hashtag zucchini fest. And Travancore, you got done with the, because I think Travancore was going through 
uh, the old histories. You're done with that, right? You got all, you got everything. Yeah, I think I asked Baka to look through it, and she gave me like a little bit of information. And based on that, I mean, that's kind of what I did. I don't think I'm gonna get much more because a lot of it's in languages Travancore can't read, and Baka will know how to find it. It'd be like there's not enough time for it to be a, like a worthwhile thing. Right. And she was, yeah, she was able to find some some interesting stuff for you. So you're asking for pretty specific information. And what you already know about this dragon is that there's actually few encounters with them that they seem to not not be interested in actively engaging with people too often, which is to most people's benefits as they're a fearsome dragon. So uh, as you all wander around talking to people, asking questions, looking for anyone who might still be alive who's in the town that you can talk to, what I'd like... I want an investigation check. I want a persuasion check. And I want a a perception check. And so I need I need one person each to make each of those checks. And the fourth person can decide to help one person to give them advantage. Jonathan the Magic Muscular will take uh investigation. I'll take persuasion. Uh Carlton will do perception. I was about to say, I think Bernie Bernie, Bernie has a way with people. Let's hope. All right. I will help Jonathan. All right. So Jonathan, why don't you go first? Go ahead and you're doing investigation. And so give me an investigation check with advantage since Travancore is helping you. That is a 24. 24. Oh, is it okay that I rolled in D&D Beyond? That's fine. That's 100% fine. Uh, and then who's giving me the persuasion check? That was you, Bernie? Yes, that was a 19. 19. And the perception check. Would be Carlton with a 28. 28. Okay. So the four of you work together and it takes about an hour before you land on some really, really good information. Uh, Carlton is able to quickly scan groups of people. And with the information that you already have about how this dragon seems to interact, especially looking for older individuals, people who might have been around for a while, because you know that the last ship to come into into the aisle was many, many months ago, and that it doesn't happen that often. So the older someone is, kind of the, the more likely they are to have had an experience with the dragon or to have heard of other people's experiences. So um, you're kind of able to scan crowds, look for people that might be good to talk to, Bernie is able to use her natural persuasive abilities and get them to open up a little bit. And, you know, while a lot of these people don't have any personal experiences with the dragon or know that when they arrived, the dragon came and looted their ship. But a lot of the initial information you're hearing is, oh, well, I, I can't tell you what they took because we were fleeing at the time and we didn't go back. It's That seems to be a, a general refrain. But then Jonathan, as you are finding these people and talking to them, you're able to switch the conversation to, well, who would be good to find out? Oh, tell me more about the people on your ship. You're able to think of some of the other questions that, okay, maybe maybe this person doesn't know the answer, but you're able to think of the right questions to ask to go find three other people to talk to. And then kind of the cycle continues. Carlson's able to take those descriptions of people, find them quickly. Bernie is able to talk to them. And Travancore is kind of 
being the the person who listens in and just makes the right comment at the right time or in that moment in where you're not sure which which thread to go down is able to to pick the correct thread so you find out a little bit of basic information it is confirmed this dragon does seem to be picky about its interactions with people and avoids people kind of at all costs. You do hear a couple of tales of people who've come in on wrecked ships in where the dragon took the extra 10 seconds to fly around fleeing people to go to the ship. And that while it had no problem going through crowds or attacking people that got in its way, it wasn't necessarily the aggressor unless it was necessary or provoked or it was inconvenient to not be. Um, You very rarely hear any stories of people saying that they were just outright attacked. But you do hear stories of people talking about how they were trying to get their own stuff and the dragon attacked them in the process to stop them from picking stuff up. You're unsure about a specific kind of loot. The dragon does seem to be eclectic in its taste, and you hear about all sorts of things that it's taken from holds. And in a couple of cases, the people that you talk to give you the sense that the dragon would have taken more if it could have carried more, And it's a really large dragon, so it can already carry quite a bit. Once or twice with smaller boats, it just grabbed what was left of the boat and hauled the whole thing off. One person you talk to, kind of the closest you come to a a firsthand eyewitness something interesting account, is they were still on the wreckage of the ship looking for their their gig bag. They had a, a pack they were talking about that was like, like a, a lot of your adventuring packs, not, not necessarily anything valuable in the sense of monetarily or personally, but survival gear. And Silver Girlath came along and just scooped up the entire ship. And it was only because they were close enough to a porthole that had been ripped out that they were able to jump out before it got too high off of the, the ocean. The other thing you're able to find out, and Carlton, because of your perception check, as soon as you start hearing about this person, you actually are able to figure out, you kind of take a look around, get to a high enough ground, figure out the people to talk to, to know where to go. A few people direct you to an elf that lives, they say, just outside of town, which is an odd thing to hear. Because as far as you know, everybody lives within the walls of Elderwood. But they keep saying just outside of town, there's an elf, a an older gentleman, Minterantis. And that a couple people say he's ancient. And so if anyone's going to know any stories, it's him. And one or two say that they've heard him when he was younger tell stories. And the, the people who say that when he was younger are older gnomes and a couple of other older elves. Well, uh, I'm putting something into the chat here. I'm going to play a little game that I like to play in our D&D games. <laughs> you're, actually, you're actually not far off. Anyone else want to play? Yeah, now, now's the time to play. Can you spell Mintrandus Nightbreeze? Is this elf's name? Okay, I'll make a guess. Mintrandus. Hold on, I'm going to... I- I'm gonna I'm gonna put in a guess for the for the last name. 
I mean, the last name is probably a little easier to, to get. And I will I will preface this by saying if it helps, I don't tend, except when it's dragons, to give you like a weird name with lots of hyphens and shit. Hang on. Ask your doctor about Mentoranda's Nightfreeze. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. I, I Izzyified it. It's fine. I almost had it. I yeah. was close. Oh, nice. I, all, wow. I spelled it with the I, and then I said, no, it's D&D. All I's must be replaced with Y's. That's, but it, it, unless you're me, in oh, which case I'm good. just going to make yeah, it Yeah, that's I. real good. Oh. Yeah. Fantasy names replace I's with Y's. There you go. I figured since it was Min, Min Trantis and not, or Mint Rantis and not Mintrandis, I was like, oh, maybe there's a there's an apostrophe in there. I mean, that's fair. That's a pronunciation thing. But but nope. I mean, you basically got it. So, yes. Uh, I was saying I was too busy trying to figure out how to actually pretend to spell it that I didn't get to the punch. Mm. <laughs> nope, I that's was like, fine. No, no, no. Oh, nope. She just put it in. All right. Never mind. So, yes. Mintrandus Nightbreeze is a... You don't get an age, but because of the age of the other people who are talking about him and the fact that he is referred to as being ancient, you think this might be a really, really old elf. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. And he apparently lives in a, a treehouse just outside of town, in air quotes. Um, and Carlton, we're going to go on your perception check and we'll we'll use a little bit of a, the help from Travancore and some of, of his obviously cultural knowledge. You do find out that just outside of town literally means there is a giant tree on the other side of the wall on the... Uh, there's no cardinal directions, but if the if there's the beach is considered south and the rest of the island is considered north, this would be kind of the west side of town. So close enough to where the ocean is to be able to see, but literally just on the other side of the wall. And you find the gates nearby. And if you would like to go try to talk to him, Carlton, you've figured out where to go. Uh, I will pose it to the group and be like, hey, uh, I think this is where we can find uh, Mr. Nightbreeze. Uh, let's go down for a Bernie-style chat and not a Carlton-style chat. Oh, yes. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, Because Because normally I would say, let's go for a chat, and you're like, wait, what kind of chat? So I'm just going to clarify the good <laughs> chats. Quick question. How old is everyone? I think we established that Jonathan the Mad Muscular is actually pretty young. I think he's like 24, 25. Carlton uh, is 20, he was, uh, let's see, I was, he was my age, 27, because he was my age when we started, and it hasn't been five years in game time, it's been like three weeks. I would say Travancore is in his very early 40s. I made Bernie 42, because I thought she should be the answer to life, the universe, and everything. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was just like, I just realized, I was gonna, Bernie was gonna be like, I'm the oldest, so I'll talk to the old guy. And then I was like, wait, is Bernie the oldest right now? Because she's young for her people, but. It depends on what early 40s means to Travancore. Yeah. I think it'd be funny if Travancore and Bernie were the exact same age and had the same birthday. Let's do it. Yeah. There you go. There you go. The two people who are gonna live the longest are also exactly the same age. Carlton and John, for your information, it is currently the fifth of chess which is the third month of the Forgotten Realms calendar. You Marked by Pi. Marked by Pi. You began playing, you arrived in Greenest on the 5th of Marpeneth, which is the 10th month of last year. So it has been one, 
So with the with the exception of a little bit of lost time in the Feywild, it has been one, two, three, four, five months, almost exactly. Hey, look at that. Mine was more a figurative three weeks comparatively to the five years. But yeah, five months. Five months. Five months of friendship. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yep. That's Fast a- friends. We're pretty close for only being five months of friendship. I mean, we've 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 like literally we've been, like died in each other's arms a couple yeah, times. We've been yeah, we've shit together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me it's tell been you. an intense couple of months, and and as I said, uh, you lost three weeks to the Feywild while you were in your in your estimation of time. You were only in the Feywild a couple of days, but you left to go to the Feywild on the fourth of Nighttail which is the last month of the year, and you came back on the 16th of Hammer, which is the first month of the year. So literally, you kind of lost a month. So it's really only Time been work. like four months. So What month is it now, Shemp? Chess. Chess, got it. C-H-E-S, which you've already talked about how I don't know how to pronounce it for all you forgotten lore aficionados at home who are like, how can you be pronouncing these months the wrong way? Guess what? They're not the wrong way. This is my version of Forgotten What if realm. it's like Welsh and every letter is pronounced differently than it is in English? Probably. Oh, Probably. I feel like that would be pretty great. Like, if we're trying to figure out, like, what what language do they speak in the Forgotten Realms? Definitely some, in some places, some variation of Welsh. That's as thin. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. I follow as- a lot of Welsh speakers on Twitter, and, and I didn't realize, like, some of the, because a lot of them are, like, uh, like, historians and, like, like, academics of, like, history in Europe and and they'll just like there's like all these Welsh politics that'll suddenly pop up on my Twitter like it's and it's all in Welsh and like you can tell when someone's mad about something that like probably like a only English speaking politician has done and I just like sometimes there's these like just like I'm like at first I thought this person had a glitch on their phone and then I realized it was Welsh and then you realize they're just in another language that is so close and yet so far so you all have this lovely conversation about how long you have known each other practically and personally as you make your way through one of the gates out of town, quote unquote. But literally, you go through a gate and the guard at that gate who lifts up the the locking mechanisms so that you can swing out the door just points about 15 feet away to a massive tree. It is kind of styled as an oak tree, but you can tell... Eh, something's a little off. It's not quite an oak tree. You're not sure, but it's huge. And about 15 feet up in the the thick canopy of this tree, uh, which stands out amongst a lot of the other foliage on this island, which is mostly a kind of a rainforest tropical, you see a very nice, semi-small, but looks like very nicely made dwelling. And attached to the side of the the trunk of this tree, spiraling up it, are a series of pieces of wood that Travancore, as a druid, even though you are a baby druid, you are a druid, you recognize uh, the handiwork of a druid in making. This is not a piece of wood that has been nailed to the side of this tree or attached or affixed. This is as if the tree was encouraged to grow a board. Druid work. Guard points you to Mandrandus's adobe, 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 abode, abode. Abode. Yeah, I I can't talk anymore. And doesn't really say anything much, but seems to be just like, oh yeah, there there he is. Bernie's gonna elbow Travancore and point to the the stuff, and she goes, "Can you do that? Can you like grow a house?" Is that one of your powers? 
Not yet, but one day. That could come in real handy if we ever need to do repairs on Rachel's house. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into one single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and Faerun's lore. Every week there's something new happening, and the game is available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on March 14th at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. P-E-R-N-B-A-N-I-F-U-B-S. So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. So you are all standing in front of this tree that has these naturally grown stairs out of it leading up to a gorgeous, very natural looking, but small house nestled in the branches of a remarkable looking oak tree where you've been told uh, Mandrandus Nightbreeze lives. What would you like to do? Does he have a doorbell or bell? From down here, you can't see the door. It looks like the you would have to actually climb the stairs spiraling up the trunk, and it looks like they end up in the canopy where you can't actually see the front of this house. I'm going to mosey on up. Are you all following Trevancore and Shadow? Yes. Of course. All right. You uh, walk up these stairs. There's no railing. It's not OSHA compliant, and so it's a little worrying when you get, like, halfway up the tree and you're about starting to get 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 feet up into this tree. But the the stairs themselves are solid. There is no ominous creaking, and they are big enough that there isn't any... You're not needing to make any extra bits of dexterity. You're not needing to balance. Like, it feels very assured, especially as you can have your left hand on the trunk of this tree. And Travancore, since you're leading the way, you get to the top first where there is a little landing. It would be big enough for two, maybe three people. Uh, Shadow slides a little bit over to the right side, but doesn't get onto the landing. Uh, to give way for a couple of the a couple of your friends to make it on up, and you reach the front of this house with a door, no windows on this side of the house that you can see, no knocker, but there is a knob. There's no doorbell as far as you can tell. Would you like to knock? I'm gonna knock on the door. Hey, hey Travancore, Travancore, yeah. yeah, yeah, shave and a haircut. Oh, that that's be- the universal sign. Shave and a haircut. Shaving a haircut. Uh. It goes bop, 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 bop. Oh. And then the other guy goes bop, bop. Oh, like tapping on, on yeah. the dad's feet. Yes, when you're I knocking. Got it. I got it. That's called shaving a haircut. Ah. Shaving a haircut. Got it. Two bits. Travancore shaves in a haircut via knock form. So you shave in a haircut. That, 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 that. There is a long pause, but all of you, especially Carlton, have a high enough passive perception that you can hear... The slow creaking of someone moving inside, heading towards the door. And eventually the door opens and a ancient elf stands there. And 
you all get the sense of how old this person must be because elves don't tend to show their age until they get extremely old. And the fact that the dark-skinned, wrinkled face in front of you is showing the type of age that you would see in a 60, 70, 80-year-old human is striking. But there is a, a thin, tall, elegant, if not ancient, elf standing in front of you. Uh, very dark skin, piercing blue eyes, silver-white hair that's almost in a buzz cut on his head with two incredibly long ears, almost Aladrin-sized in their, their point. And he smiles at you with kind of a, a curious friendliness. Um, he's wearing a what looks like a, a smock, very simple, clean, well-kept, uh, no shoes, and is hunched over just a little bit from age. He's kind of you can tell holding on to the door handle, not just because he's opened the door, but also just kind of leaning against it a little bit. And he says, I was not expecting visitors today. Hello. You are... Travancore, Ambassador General of Pertanum. This is my party. Hello. I sort of motion to my friends in the back. Hi, I'm Hi, Mr. Nightbreeze. She's like waving way, way, way up high. I'll, I'll, I'll raise Bernie up so that she can be seen. He nods at all of you and says, Are you new to our town where you just washed ashore? Not washed. We actually came here on an errand. We came here on purpose. Fascinating. No one's been here on purpose ever. Except for the turtles, of course, but that's, that's a different... Well, you've made the climb. Come in, come in. And he pulls away from the door and opens the door. And you can all see inside is what looks to be a fairly simple house. The room that you're looking at is kind of a gentle sitting area. There is a table and some chairs and a rocking chair next to a couple of windows. And there's a door that leads to another part of this small house. It is large enough to accommodate you all, including Shadow, although it's it's a bit tight. There's going to be no square dancing in here. Uh, and he lets you all in and kind of motions and says, My accommodations are not large, but... Please, make yourself at home. My name is Mentrandus Nightbreeze. I'm assuming you've been told to come and speak to me. I haven't been in town in a couple of days now, and so I'm unfamiliar with your errands. Would you like some juice? I'd love some juice, thank you. I would love some juice, thank you. Yeah, that sounds lovely. Can I just say on a player level how deeply I appreciate that uh, Mithrandus is not wearing shoes in his house because he's in his house and shoes are off in the house? At least that's the way I was raised. <laughs> I would feel like we all, noticing he's not wearing shoes, take our shoes off. Because I also was raised in a home yeah. where you take your fucking shoes I, off when you come I inside. I Jonathan the Madramuscular would require an elbow. Uh, hey, Jonathan. Yo. Does <laughs> prestidigitation cover smells? Yeah. Okay. You're going to need to press digiti- these. And I take off my shoes. Wait, do you wear shoes? I didn't think Carlin wore shoes. They're like more like sandals. Like I press digitate as a reaction. <laughs> <laughs> but they still get a little bit of funk in them. I appreciate press digitate as a reaction. That, that's kind of nice. 
The only way that that spell is reaction is when it comes to Carlton's feet. Yes. Bernie elbows Jonathan. It breaks and the like, laws of magic. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And With a Jonathan. bare foot, she kind of pokes him. She's like, mm, we're in someone's home. Uh, boots off. <laughs> While all of this is going on, Mentorandus has opened the door, and you can now all clearly see that there there seems to be at least a small kitchen in there. He's left the door open as you hear him moving around and and grabbing some, some cups and things. He moves incredibly slowly, obviously stooped with age. Travancore, you're you're a half elf, but go ahead and give me a perception. Go give me an insight check. Insight. Okay, okay. Give me an insight check. Here we go. Six. Ah, uh, he's old. He's super old. <laughs> he old. He old. You, you can't tell how old. Once again, all you know is kind of the same thing everybody else does, which is when elves show age, super old. Bernie walks over to like grab uh to help, like if he's piling dishes for for juice and other snacks, she's like, I can take some of those for you if you'd like. Thank you for talking to us. Oh, th- thank you. And you can see that he's basically just pouring. Uh, he's got a large metal pitcher that you can smell. Seems to have some kind of sweet juice in it. It's got an orange color to it, like a, a pale orange, probably some kind of mango. Tang. Probably not tang. Not not here. But I'll keep that in mind for later. Uh, some Does kind Tang of mango. really exist in this universe? This is a fantasy. Maybe the GIF have Tang? <laughs> I feel like the GIF have Tang. <laughs> this gentleman and the Isle of Dread does not have Tang. It has real juice. And yes, it, it seems, to be, seems to be pouring some sort of mango juice into a couple of... They're all really nice, but they're... They're glasses and cups that seem to have been cobbled together from like several different sets, but all clean and well cared for. And so he pours and hands to you to bring on in and and everybody can kind of sit around the table. And as you are taking off your shoes and prestidigitating away smells and all of that fun stuff, he even pours a, a little bowl for Shadow and hands that to you to, to give to Shadow. And as he's coming in with his own drink and Bernie with yours, since you've been pulling, you've been bringing in all these cups, he says... So, what is it that this old druid can help you with? Did you need some guidance on your way? I haven't had to do that for anyone in a very long time. There's no stars here to look at. Actually, that's a good place to start. How long have you been here? Oh, most... Most of my life at this point, it's been about 800 or so years. Yeah. Holy shit, that's a long time. Ah, time is a relative. And when you've been blessed with as much as I have, it is still a very long time. So were you here before the dragon or after the dragon? I don't know. When the dragon arrived, but it was here when I arrived, so... Yes? Are you here about Silver Girlath? In a way. Yeah. We have business with uh, Silver Girlath, and we were just wanting to find out as much as we could about them. We know they're a topaz dragon. We know that they raped. The ships that get washed up near the island. 
but we've learned some interesting tidbits and we're, we were hoping that you could expand on those or add any other interesting knowledge. Uh, we understand that they make a point to not interact with people unless they have to. They're capable of carrying away entire ships, yet they will only attack if necessary. They're just, they mainly just loot. And as you're saying this, Mintrantis, the smile falters a little bit, and you see a distant look come on his face. And as you mentioned this last little bit, he reaches over and lifts up the side of the sleeve of his left arm. He's wearing kind of short sleeves, and he pulls it up as he says, But still dangerous. And as he pulls it up, you see very clearly on his dark skin what looks like almost a puncture wound, but it's easily three or four inches in diameter. A huge uh, scar mark on his arm. And you can see the, the larger bit of it on the front of his arm, and then he makes it a point to raise his arm so you can see the other side where there's a smaller hole. And he says, He only got me with the one tooth, but that was enough. I was lucky to still have an arm. Bernie goes into doctor mode, like curious doctor mode, and gets a little uncomfortably close, and she goes, Oh, oh that's a through and through. And she's like, she, like, reaches her hand out to touch the scar tissue. She goes, I'd be very interested in having a conversation with you later about how this healed. And then she sits back down. The scars that Thontorvrak gave you, how far up do they go? Do they go to your neck or? Oh, yeah. Thontorvrak, like, scratched you. a little. Raked yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Raked we you never, good. <laughs> yeah. I'll leave some of it up to you to decide how, because you you got magically healed afterwards. So it's I kind think of a we like set the precedent that magic healing does not completely restore. It heals you, but it leaves scars, and that's like the thing like we've been talking about, which is like there are some things that healing can't do, like it can't regrow limbs, like it's not going to. It depends on the healing. And yeah, definitely the healing you had at the time, uh, because there is more powerful healing magic that now you have access to that will regrow limbs, scales, horns, you know, b- body parts that if you lose that in your in your earlier days as a healer, you could heal, you could repair and cauterize and prevent people from dying from those those wounds. And now you know things like regenerator out there um and so it kind of depends on the power level of the healing that's being used but as far as like taking an injury that's not debilitating that's not going to lose a body part or lose access to a function of your body or something like that i kind of leave it up to the the player how how well they heal you know because i think it's it's more interesting to let people decide on their own scars and then also just they can role play it the way that they feel comfortable with um you do remember you got super raked and it took some massive healing but it's totally up to you if you still have 
what your scars look like if you if have If I any. recall, we joked about her insides hanging out for a while. You were- Yeah. It was rough. It was super rough. But you were healed very quickly. And it was- There was nothing that was- It was damage without anything being debilitating. So it was 100% up to you. Are are you scarred? Is it bad? Is it light? I would, you know, it's one of those things that we have always been in colder climates. And Bernie wears- armor which means she inherently wears the kind of padding and underclothes that keeps that like that's why you when we talk about unrealistic armor i think the only thing that really gets me is you don't normally wear armor without a great deal of padding under it because the armor takes the hit but the armor still hits into you and digs into you and god the chafing so like i realize that like bernie is not bernie is inherently dressed i think what people would call modestly not out of an idea of what people should be wearing, but out of A, cold, and B, necessity, because she's armor. Yep. But I feel like she did have scars. Like, I feel like, you know, we've talked about the levels of healing. So it's like, the healing she got saved her life, but she's like, she's like navel to, to neckline, got a nice little, I think diagonally, maybe. Diagonal. Reminder. But yeah. if it's going to be a good visual, it's diagonal. Di- you guys know that. That <laughs> diagonal scars are definitely the best. Scar. Well, no, I'm it is a hundred percent up to you. The eye from point A to point B on the canvas <laughs> that is her body. Clearly, she's going to be drawn like someone's French girl at some point. We oui, um, oui. <laughs> listen in this fantasy world of ours, and where you get to determine if you get scarred and how scarred you are, and if you want it to be like aesthetically pleasing scars, that is a hundred percent. No, fine. I just feel like he just probably went shunk, like like a cat batting at a toy. We think that's ex- I think that's exactly what it was because like yeah, yeah you were running and he wasn't necessarily trying to kill you. We were running away and then it got you on your back. It Going was like, on my back, yeah, yeah. I, her curiosity is both like she's like her scars hurt and get tight, and so she's like found methods that help those and like and yeah, Bernie's got visible scars. You just haven't seen them because she's either like. Because she's they're covered up with armor, yeah. Bundled the fuck up all the time. Whereas, um, Anthrantis, like he pulls up the sleeve, and obviously, if he was wearing, if he was Jonathan the Magimuscular, you would see this scar all of the time. It's at the top of his arm, just before his shoulder joint. Sleeves are bullshit. <laughs> yep. Whether or not you say that out loud, it it feels like at least this gentleman in front of you does not feel the same way. <laughs> Bernie, as you, he does not pull away from you as you move in to examine before you kind of back away. And certainly without any rolls, you can very clearly see, yeah, this was a bite. This was a single, this is probably one of the big incisors that most dragons have. You think there's probably correlating scars where some of the other teeth scraped and got him but this is the one this was the through all the way through the arm and you do think there was probably a lot of very lucky healing that had to have happened very quickly especially in the ocean if someone's bleeding out in water that's uh bernie like leans she goes oh yeah you got you got got i got got too um, but I'm not in the mood to strip down, so you just take my word for it. It was, uh, not the teeth, though. Did you get the whole magic kind of clamped? And she makes, like, a little, like, claw, like, like, she's like, because I got, like, swiped. <laughs> he was upset. And yeah. I believe 
he probably considers it a nip. But, you know, he was still huge even back then. And you can see that he's still kind of lost a little bit in this memory and then blinks out of it, almost almost startles himself out of it. You watch as he kind of almost shakes a little bit and a, a gentle smile comes back to his face and he pulls his shirt sleeve down again and says, So you're you're here hunting the dragon. Not necessarily hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Not really a hunt. Yeah, he's coming to, we believe he's coming to possession of something that we were tasked, charged to, uh, to acquire. Olamarp, yeah. I don't know anything about that. Interesting you would come so far must be something very powerful. Would you believe us if we said it was an errand for another dragon and the peace between that dragon and one of the biggest cities in Faerun kind of hinges on this thing? That at least makes a little more sense why you would be sent across plains. So you believe Silver Gurlath has this instrument and you intend to st- to steal it? Barter for it? Barter for it. Barter yeah, for we're it. gonna ask nicely. Mmm. You don't, you don't think that's gonna work? I Trade. think it might work until he betrays you for it. Oh, mm. that's good oh. to know. But they're a duplicitous dragon. Before I go into the story, you've climbed my tree. I'm happy to tell the story. Most of those in town know it, or have heard it but I don't get into town very much. The Bones don't like climbing the tree as much, and I'm a little too tired to ask the tree to do the moving. What will you trade me for the story? It's been a while since I've had company. Uh, hang on. See if I've got a nice little bauble. Bernie wants to take a quick look around his house. Do a little, I don't know if it's perception or investigation check, but she wants to look to see if he's the kind of person who wants stuff or wants a story. Give me a perception check, since investigation would be, unless you're going to get up and, like, rifle through, if you're just kind of taking a a glance around, give me a perception check. That's a 17. With a 17, it's a sparse but comfortable house. There is, at least the the front area that you are in, there is a a nice fireplace, although it is not currently lit because it's still very warm. There's a few paintings on the wall, which are all pastoral landscapes, very simplistic but nice. They kind of look like watercolors. The table that you're sitting on, uh, that you're sitting at, the chairs are like the cups a mismatch, but all nice and well cared for. And they all match, you know, they've created their own set, even though when you look at each individual piece, it's very obvious, oh, this chair is from a different place and this chair is from a different place and the table doesn't match. The only thing that stands out to you is you do see a, what looks like a bookshelf, but there's no books. It all seems to be naturalist knickknacks, most of it arranged kind of in a a pleasing to the eye manner, but nothing that stands out except at the top of the bookshelf, you do notice a very large rough crystal 
a darkish color, like a very deep blue that's sitting in what looks like a specifically crafted brass holder as if the the crystal itself can come out. And it's very large. It's almost maybe like a foot, foot and a half tall and a, a good chunk, a half a foot around. It's obviously polished, but it is not crafted. And as you look at it, you, you could swear you see it sparkling a little bit. Like it's almost that cliche ding. You see a little sparkle come off of it. You would think Jonathan's like prestidigitating it even as you look at it. Bernie doesn't think he wants stuff. I was going to say, I reach into the bag and I uh, whisper wooden beholder. And I pull out that carved beholder that we got in the Feywild. And I say, how about a carved figure from the plane of Fey? He takes it and examines it. Cute, but what an ugly creature. Yeah, well, very, but the deep, the craftsmanship is <laughs> undeniably there. You speak truth, but this would be creepy to have in the house. But I do. Okay, okay, okay. I, well, I appreciate the craftsmanship for sure, and he hands it back yeah, to you. Yeah, I figured, you know, natural, flat, uh, that's a, That's fine. What, what are you looking for, my friend? Oh, I'm unsure. It's been very long since I've had visitors. If you... Tell us what you know. We will each tell you something we've never told the others. Secrets are interesting. Not a secret. Just a good story. You said you just came recently from the material plane. You're from... Yes. Where exactly are you all from? Mostly the Sword Coast. Yeah, been been a couple places. Some of us are from across the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Phil, particularly, I spent a lot of time growing up around there. And you just arrived. Mm, yeah, couple just days within a few days ago. ago. Yeah, we had a we had a bit of an outing, but we're back now and getting ready to go on another yeah, outing. We uh, went to the, we were opening up the uh, courier service to the material. We could also take you back if that's what you want. As you've been saying all of this about where you've been and where you're from, you see a longing in his face, and he's about to ask something. And it's it's very clear that he's been kind of leading up to this, like the smile has faded and he's gotten very serious. And then, Bernie, you say that and his face snaps towards you to look you directly in the eye with a intensity that he hasn't had in all of these interactions. You could... You could bring me back. I can't. He can. When... How soon? Well, as soon as we get this errand done, like a day after that, so hopefully within the next few days. He reaches out long, elegant elven fingers, gnarled with age, and grasps your shoulder with an intensity that, like, he's shaking with emotion, and he says, But you swear you would. You would bring me back to some place where I could see the stars. If we don't die. Jonathan the Magimuscular, he straightens up. He puts his hand on his shoulder and says, If I survive this trip, I swear I will bring you back. And you see tears in his eyes. As I say, I put my hand on his shoulder as well. And if I have to, I will swim across all of the oceans to bring you back. And that makes him 
smile through the tears that are now coursing down his face just a little bit. And he says, there is not enough time for that swim. But if you have the magic, I want to see the stars before I die. Not only that, when I bring you back to the material plane, if there's a place where the stars are extra beautiful, take you there too. All of them. Okay. Anywhere. It's been hundreds. I barely remember them. We will make sure you get that reminder. (sighs) Then I'd best make sure you know as much as you can so you can be successful. (laughs) And he wipes away tears and he lets go and leans back and collects himself. Jonathan the Magimuscular. Jonathan, you see, you all see him, but Bernie, you kind of are able to follow his eyes back to that shelf as he recollects himself and he seems to lock eyes on this crystal. And then he looks back at all of you and says, When I was brought here, when I was forced here, I was on a ship called the Horrific Jaws, a trading vessel. I was just making some money. And enjoying being out on the ocean, away from the cities where I could easily see the stars. It was, it was good. It was honest work during the day, and it was a crow's nest to view the universe at night. And then we were brought here. The the horrific Jaws was a food vessel, mostly up and down the Sword Coast with frozen and cured meats for the south and vegetables and fruits for the north and anything else. I'm sure most of it was ruined in the trip, but we were a large galleon and much of it survived the horrible storm. And so, the first time I met Silver Gurlath was that day when... And he reaches over and rubs his his arm where the scar is. Where we traded blows. He... He came for whatever he could plunder and saw me grabbing my star charts. And he looks back over at the crystal sitting on, on the counter on the bookshelf. It's one of the few possessions I own that I would fight for. Even a dragon of that age and size, I was not going to let him just take it from me. But I have ways of retrieving it. And so I lied. I told him he could take it if he spared me and the rest of the crew. And so I gave it to him. And yet he still, after swearing to take it and... Whatever else he could plunder and leave us alone within minutes was attacking again. Without any sort of honor or care. I'm sure he believes that breaking the deal was why it crumbled to dust. But as I said, I have ways of getting my star charts back. Only a few of us survived because of that. When we made it to the islands, there was only about a dozen. Most of them lived long and 
happy lives here once we made it, so there was at least that. I was... I was lucky? And he looks... conflicted. The only other time I encountered him, before I became a farmer here, I was helping with one of the fishing vessels. I was never a very good fisher. But I was still not used to being here, and I was hoping we would go out far enough. And Maybe I was just cl too close to town, and I could see the stars, the moon, something, anything. So we were out late into the evening, and I'd pulled out my stars. <sighs> I don't know if I've angered a god, or if it's just fate. But he flew overhead at that moment, and something caught his eye, and the next thing I know, me and Thomas were being carried away. Thomas fell out of the boat. He did not survive the trip, the fall, but I was willing to take the ride. Silver Gurleth remembered me, admonished me, even after he had agreed to our deal and then broken it and demanded my stars again. And so I lied to him again, said, take it, but if you break our deal, it will crumble to dust. You must drop me off safely. We talked for a bit. <sighs> He's not one for talking. He's not a sly creature, just duplicitous. He's not one for fancy words or cunning in any way, but he's not dumb. I believe he only believed my lies because they were backed up by the truth of the matter, which was he would not be able to keep what was mine. He just believes for different reasons. And so he kept his deal, but instead of dropping me off back at the town, set me back into the water miles away. It was, only, it was only luck in the currents that got me back into the town. And since then, I have been a farmer, and now an old elf at the top of a tree. He is angry and nasty and filled with betrayal. I don't know what you could offer him that would make him agree to anything that he would keep. Any bargain he makes with you will not be struck with honesty, and you will not get far before you are attacked, pounced upon. He will give you whatever you want and then take it back at the best opportunity. He can control the very sea itself. When ships are brought through the rifts in the plains, I've watched him control the waves to crack open boats like nuts. He seems to crave anything of value, but his notion of value is twisted and warped. There are trophies from his plunder. There are objects that have monetary worth. And then I believe he is just cruel and will take what he believes is of value to you, no matter what it is. He stands up at this point, and you can hear you can hear his bones creaking. I was about to say, do we hear like 
subsequent cracks throughout his legs and back. Oh yeah, yeah. It is a it is a slow. He puts his hands down on the the arms of the chair and pushes himself up. He doesn't groan, but you definitely hear the age in his bones and walks over to this crystal that he keeps referencing as his star chart and picks it up out of the the brass holder. And when he picks it up, all of you can now see it almost shimmers. The the dark blue in it seems to have little pinpricks of light. And he brings it on over, holding it in both of his hands close to the chest, uh, even though it takes both of his his hands to to hold this large crystal. I don't think he wanted this because of its beauty or its possible monetary value beyond it being a crystal. I think he wanted it because he saw that I valued it. And he puts it down on the table and he strokes it like it's a cat. Like he almost pets it. And you watch as the pinpricks of light grow brighter and constellations form inside of it and seem to rotate slowly. Like the inside of it has its own internal light giving off these bits of light. And he says means more to me than he could ever know, but it is also bound to me, and so at least I don't have to worry about egotistical dragons taking it. This is the only stars I've known since I've gotten here, and if it... if I can answer any questions for you to help you in your encounter with him so that I can go home before I go to my final home, it will have been worth it. If you have any questions, ask them, but I would tell you, bargain with this creature only if you are ready to be betrayed. We have dealt with dragons before, and while we are wanting to resolve this peacefully, it'll die if it has to. Also known as the Carlton Method. Yeah, that's the Carlton what? Method. What? I, I don't blow stuff up? <laughs> I don't literally suck them into a gravitational well? Oh, wait. Sorry. Sorry. Also known as Team Destructive Engineering Method. Thank you. <laughs> when you mention it, it dies if it has to and, and joke a little bit about the destructive method. A grim, almost smile comes to his face. Not relishing this thought, but obviously agreeing that this is something that may need to happen. And he says, It is important if you do engage with this creature you do see it through. They are vindictive enough that despite avoiding the town, if you steal from them and flee in success, I would be afraid for what he might do. And while he has never attacked the town openly, he's grown even more cranky than I have in my old age. Can you tell us something? Uh, whatever I can. I guess my question is, he attacks just about every ship that comes through, right? As far as I can tell, and the rest of the town, yes. What's the over-under on survivors? How often does he let everyone survive? I mean, people obviously come into town, they talk about what's been taken, but how often is it that everyone gives him their stuff and he kills them anyway? You've said, you've spoken to 
Baka, correct? Yes. She probably knows more than I do. She's so young and yet so wise. Loves those books. But I believe, from both my history and her knowledge, he is more interested in plunder than in either conversation or encounters. Both times with me was because I had something he wanted. I suspect he would have outright attacked if I hadn't shown some aptitude to defend myself. He does seem even more cautious than most when it comes to running at the first sign of an actual fight. There's been a ship or two that have managed to come through the rift, intact enough to still have ballista and cannons, and they've been able to drive him off, so he is wary enough of being harmed, has never attacked the town outright, but nobody goes that far, even close to where we think his lair is. I believe most who have died from the trip have died from the rift and the storm. But he's an opportunist, and if you are in his way and easy, he will just slaughter you. Travancore wants to roll an insight check on basically everything you said about Silver Girl in this story. Sure. I have no idea whether I want to be able to astute anything. Let's see. 22. Is there anything in specific, or is this a insight to see... Like, tell me a little bit more about what exactly you're inciting, since there's been a lot going on. Yeah, well, one, the veracity of what he's saying, if he, if what he's saying is true, or at the very least, if he believes it's true, and two, whether, like, he has any kind of agenda in saying what he's saying. His agenda became 100% clear when he was given the opportunity to go home. Got it. That okay. has, while he has recomposed himself from that moment... You can clearly read that at this point, his agenda is tell you everything that he can in order to make your mission successful so that you can take him back to the material plane. And with that, you do believe that he believes everything he's saying is true. He seems to, while he is obviously very old, he doesn't seem to be suffering from any lack of acuity in his memory. He's he's definitely got the the slow recollection of older events, and you think it's possible, especially with stuff that happened hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. If he's been on this island as long as he says, then the events that happened just after his ship arrived would have been like 800 years ago. And so you think it's possible that everything he's telling you he believes to be true, but he might you know how sometimes early memories, what you remember is the story more than actual memories? Berenstain. Yeah, you kind of know the story because you've told the story enough and now your memory of it might be faded, but you remember the story. So Got he's it. telling you what he remembers telling people at least, if not the actual what he remembers. Um, but yeah, as far as you can tell, he is being as open and honest as he can be and searching through his memories to try to be as informative as possible. Is there anything you can tell us about combat tactics, things that Silvergirl likes to do when he attacks? 
Well, in both cases with me, it was so fast. I'm not sure if I could tell you anything deep. He is a very, very good swimmer, but an incredibly bad aerialist. He does not fly well. He does not fly fast. I have seen old dragons in flight. I've seen wormlings that could turn circles around him. But he is a creature built for swimming and climbing. Unlike other dragons, he is not as fearsome in the air as he is in the water. I do know he's got more than one breath weapon. The one of them is just needles. The other is a, an exhaustion of heat and death. Oh, we've done that one a little bit already. I've not experienced either myself. Those are things others have said who have fought with him. As I said, he's not cunning. He is straightforward, and at least in his speech, he's blunt and short. And so I would imagine his tactics are the same. His betrayal is simple. He lies and then betrays. There's no deep subterfuge. There's no... There's no intricate plans. In both cases, he just told me what I wanted to hear and then attacked anyway. But he will run at the first sign of danger. He is cautious, if not frightful, of engagement. So if you do fight him, be prepared to keep him from running or to chase him. I think I can handle that. Jonathan the Magimuscular will have a few tricks up his sleeve tomorrow. You're going tomorrow. As long as it takes to get there. I don't think there's any sense in waiting. You've been most helpful. You got a timetable, you know. I know about timetables. We're going to leave tomorrow, and then hopefully we'll be back soon after. I know nothing about his lair. I don't know if anybody does. Nobody has ventured up there. It is shrouded in mist, and between the rock, he is the hard place. You know, if we have to fight something, I hope it's just the one thing. Like, I don't want to fight the dragon and the rock, or... Uh, I don't know if they coexist. I believe one is on one side of the island, and one is on the other. But most of the town avoids that whole part of the island because of it. Fortunately, there's been no reason to go. But it sounds like you're about to make the trip. Yeah, looks like it, yeah. Yeah. One more thing, Travancore Columbus. <laughs> Does Silver Girlith employ any kind of underlings or have any beings that do his bidding, say kobolds or any kind of creatures along those lines? None that I know of. Nothing that's going to start a death cult in his absence. Nothing that I can think of. He is too distrustful, too worried of being betrayed in the same way. He betrays others to let anything try to get close. As I said, I don't know if anyone knows anything about his lair, but it would 
surprise me greatly if he was... if he was not alone. You can only betray so many before no one will trust you, not even those who would worship you. And there's a long pause as he looks you all over. I can't think of anything else that would be useful, but are you staying in town tonight? Uh, yeah, they yes. have us up at the yeah. quarters. And you plan on going tomorrow? Yeah. Do you have a way to get there quickly? I believe that is more than one day's journey on foot. We do, but since I've never been there before, it could be dangerous. And do we have our bird? Is our bird ready? I thought we had our bird. Yeah, our, our bird feather. The last time you used the bird was in Neverwinter, was coming back from the fight with the the Ultraloth, which happened... When did that happen? Return from the Feywild. Kobolds arrive. Mirbar to the last bastion. How many days for the bird to reset? Ten days. Oh, then actually... Do I hear a ding in my pocket? As it as it cooldown uh, finishes, I think you know what. Let's double check. So in my head canon, that thing makes the the talk show noise. It's still the plane of water. Let's see. You returned from the Yugaloth fight on the twenty sixth of Elturic. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Today is day 10. Tomorrow. (gasps) (laughs) Tomorrow it will be available. It has been. Yeah. So you you finished the fight with the Yugaloth on the 25th. You used it that night. And so uh, it would have been one, two, three. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yes. So basically tonight before you go to bed, it will ding. So if you (laughs) did want to leave tonight for some reason, you could. But we'll sleep. We'll sleep. Yeah. Good night, Tris. See, this is this is why I have a calendar. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. uh, Charlie. When 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 the bird is, it is brought a up, sexy D and D calendar though. Like I feel like in Faerun, there has to be like. Like sexy fire, fire people, fire orcs. Like, like, a, like a sexy ooh. adventurer calendar. Sexy adventurer calendar. A Ganassi for every season. Yeah, like a like a like a like if you like, it's like the the fire brigade and Neverwinter got together and <laughs> all had their portraits painted. Yeah, like like mix Alterac. Sure, why not? Charity fundraising calendars of all sorts. Absolutely, oh, mine we is do not that for real for charity. I'm really <laughs> mine is not sexy in any way, shape, or form. But it is helpful in moments like this, in where I, I, I would if I couldn't find it, my answer would have been, yeah, it's probably been long enough. But I had it, and yes, so there you go. I was once offered a chance to pose in a magazine by a person who later appeared in a Dove commercial. More about that later. Ah, Pool Boy magazine. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Anyway, yes, Jonathan, with your perfect memory, you do the quick do 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 and even with the weirdness of being in the plane of water over the last couple of days and having your time be slightly off, you're still able to, yeah, in a couple of hours, bird's gonna ding, so you could leave tonight. Do you tell Mintrandis about the bird or that you're gonna go tomorrow and have some, conver- like, what do you say when you figure out that the bird is gonna be I ready? guess I'll say, oh, I think, 
Yeah, I think we probably have a faster way to get there. Jonathan the Magimuscular uh, has, again, a few tricks up his sleeve. So This one's in your pocket. Yeah, it's in my pocket. You watch as the ancient elf smiles, and he looks out the window, and you can see now that it's gotten dark. You've been here kind of through the end of the day. It's it's, if it's supposed to be like nine o'clock at night-ish when the bird dings. You think you're pretty close to the bird dinging. And he's, he says, I can't do much besides give you all the information I can. If I think of anything else before tomorrow morning, I will let you know. But there is one other small thing I can do. And he picks up the crystal that he's left on the table and holding it, speaks a few words in Elvish under his breath. And the crystal glows. And Jonathan, you know this spell. And Travancore. While you don't know know this spell, you're familiar enough, and the rest of you kind of get it. The thing he's been calling his star chart, the stars glow brighter in the crystal, and for a moment, all of you are kind of bathed in this very lovely starlight, essentially, as he says a few words and casts water breathing on all of you. Thank you. And as he does that, he says... That will only last for 24 hours, but if you're going there tomorrow, maybe that's one less thing to worry about. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. This is a great gift. This and the information you provided. Thank you. I will be honest. I would help you as much as I can, no matter what, but the selfish desire for you to come back and bring me back to where I can see the stars is overwhelming. If I could come with, if these old bones could still fight the way I used to, I would be with you in a heartbeat. But at this moment, I am not quite up to fighting speed. And he puts down the crystal again on the table, and you can see his his thin arms and his long, elegant fingers are once again shaking a little bit with the exertion of this spell and of talking and of everything. I think with that, that's all we got to do, right? Um, Travicor, unless I'm, I'm he's otherwise, will probably try to make his way towards the door and, and sort of thank um, thank him. As you all stand, he stands and goes to be a good host, escort you to, towards the door, although he's moving much more slowly now, opens the door for you, and in Elvish, he does bless you. <laughs> Those of you who speak Elvish, you hear him say, May the stars bless your path from now till the end of days. Bernie, uh, before she leaves, she turns back and she said, she says, uh, she like looks at his arm and she said, I imagine it feels tight sometimes. Especially when the storms are coming. It's a good early warning system. She says, at night, I rub mine. It's a little hard because, you know, and kind of looks a little weird. But when you get back, before we go, I'll show you what to do. I'll make it feel better. Thank you. I've developed my techniques over the, the millennia, but it's always good to get some expert opinion. There's a real nice oil you can put on it, and it kind of helps, you know, 
keep the tissue from just... I look forward to learning about it from you when you are successful and come back. Hopefully with no new scars that need that oil. Yeah, I figure I've, I've put my time in. Someone else can get raked through by a dragon. Travancore touches his nose without saying anything. <laughs> Carlton's finger goes up as well. <laughs> Carlton know why, or is he just shoving a finger in his nose? It, everybody, just like shaving a haircut is across all planes, nose goes is across all planes. And Bernie, I, I assume Jonathan is like one of the first out the door and is like going down the stairs, and Bernie just looks and goes, oh, it's your turn, Jonathan! And she says, thank you so much for the information and the lovely juice. Sorry, what? I'm pretty sure with that passive perception of 23, I would see Travancore going, nose goes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you take your leave of Mint Randus Nightbreeze, and he escorts you to the door and closes the door behind you as you descend the stairs around the giant oak and head back into town where the night lights are on. Your accommodations are still available if you would like them. And we'll pause there. And the next time we get together, unless there's anything else you want to do, we'll plan on it being the next morning. And time to go see a dragon about a harp. Prep Bear Force <laughs> 1 for takeoff. Hmm. Bernie can fly. I got that thing that makes me fly. Bernie's going to fly. Bernie's going to fly. Do we ever decide who gets what at this point? Or I now? called that one. That was the whole. We did decide. We had a whole thing. So it sounded like Carlton was taking the sword. Jonathan was taking the scroll. Bernie has claimed the fly. It's only the wand of polymorph that, that's still kind of up in the air. So if, well, good. That's what I wanted. All right. So Travis yeah, so we went over this. We wanted it. And I was like, that's fine. Bernie would like to fly. So if I remember correctly, though, just, just so everybody knows, I know the wand is a you have to attune to it. And I think the sword you have to attune to as well. Yes. Okay. Right. So Travis will take some. What was this? What was in the scroll case again? Sorry. It was a scroll of an antipathy. The sympathy. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I got it. And that's so you can either just use that or if you'd like to save that to put in your spell book, you can. And Bernie's got the potion of flight, which obviously you just guzzle and fly. And Carlton will be attuning to a sword tonight. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So let me give you some experience for Prestidigitate as a reaction. For some amazing roles, I mean, obviously, some of these were right up your alley, but still, damn, doing some some good, good, hardcore investigative Sherlocking and getting some good information. And for offering the one person in town the exact thing that he has wanted for 800 years, I'm going to give you a total of 8,500 experience to split between the four of you. The next time we get together, it's time to see a dragon about a harp. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash dungeondrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Rebecca, a.k.a. Bunny Monster, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.